Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that takes a look at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. I'd like to welcome Erica Nardini, CEO of Barstool Sports, to the Sports Marketing Huddle. So Erica, Barstool does a great job of integrated content sponsorships. The Natty Tailgate Tour is a good example. And for March Madness, you guys teamed up with Bud Light for the Bud Light Busters, a contest centered around Barstool bloggers getting to draft a lower-seeded team with a trip to Vegas on the line if their team advances to the Sweet 16. So when creating sponsorships like this, what is the biggest driver of value that Barstool can offer these brands? Sure. So we work with a you know, strong and growing number of brands. And what we really care about is that the brand partners we choose and who choose to work with Barstool get our voice, they get our tone, they get what we're all about, and they want to connect with our audience and in particular Stoolies in a way that's authentic and a way that's fun and a way that they can uh, play along and participate. One of, the, one of the biggest things that we do is we give brands the chance to be next to the storyline, and that's more traditional digital media, right? They can do pre-rolls, they can do display banners, they can have more controlled advertising, or brands who want to be in the storyline. And we get most excited about brands who want to be in the storyline because those are the brands who we can have fun with. They can have fun with us. And you guys have seen the results of when, you know, uh, a Natty Light comes to town with us to be at, you know, be at a NASCAR race, to be at a college game or like the MAC championship or to do something like Bud Light is doing around March Madness or what we did when we opened the office with uh, Bacardi Oakheart. You can, when you're in the storyline, the storyline carries and travels. And one of the, you know, the, one of the best things about Shuli's is they're able to take a brand's marketing message and to play with it in ways that we couldn't even think of and they make it their own and it becomes a thing in and of itself, which I would argue is something that Barstool does better than anybody. And it's something that we think about and conceive of different than anyone. So keeping along the theme of monetization, many publishers are built solely on an advertising model, which is becoming increasingly difficult, especially with the amount of traffic on mobile. Where do you see the future of digital monetization for publishers going? So <laughs> it depends what kind of publisher you are. And um, I, I think it really depends on the type of publisher you are. Um, I have been very outspoken that I don't believe that small to mid-sized publishers can exist solely on an ad model. I also don't believe that the most interesting, strongest, most opinionated brands can live on an ad model because I believe being solely dependent on advertising fundamentally changes you. Um, and I've spent a ton of years and a ton of time in the ad business and in digital and long enough to see this happen time and time again. So the most interesting business models are, are business models that are built on some combination of direct-to-consumer monetization, and then through third-party monetization, which is either through licensing or through advertising. And, you know, one of the things I think we've done a good job of at Barstool is 
it, we've been really upfront with the brands we work with about how we work, who we are, what our audience is like, and we've been able to craft programs uh, with them that are unreplicatable. And in a lot of ways, they're pre-funded marketing for Barstool. And so we provide a great service to a brand in that we bring their brand to a really desirable audience of, you know, 18 to 49 year old men. But we're also able to bring to life content that that we're excited to do and that we would otherwise not be able to fund ourselves. So very long winded answer to your question. But the you know, what I really believe is that if a brand is going to grow and thrive in this day and age, one, you have to be very experimental, and two, you have to be as diverse as possible. Erica, as we're talking about this, um, you know, I, I think one of the pieces that no one really discusses, they always talk about the business model and the monetization models and advertising, but everyone seems to forget the core really comes down to continuing to have a core audience that is giving their attention. And that comes back to the content and the engagement. How have you been able to grow Barstool to the point where it's at now while continuing to grow the audience? What are you doing that separates you from the rest of the publishers in the sports world that's getting the attention? So I think, you know, at the core, it's Dave uh, Portnoy and Dave and the, and the bloggers have really grown the audience, right? I've been at Barstool almost a year and those guys have done the heavy lifting for the last, you know, 14 years around Barstool and really nurturing the tribe of stoolies, growing the audience, having a really defined point of view, staying true to the content and the brand. So I give all credit to Dave and, and the bloggers to, for growing that audience. I think what makes us really different than other sports publishers and especially digital ones is that we are content and brand first, not distribution and technology first. And by being brand and content first, it means we're human first. We are about our audience and about our fans above everything else. We are about distribution and technology second, and really as a way to be in more places to connect with those fans in the, in the, in the ways and places that they're spending time and attention. And that's, you know, to me, that's the biggest difference between us and, you know, our quote-unquote competitive set. And frankly, just I, I, how we look at content. I like that because, obviously, if you can have all the distribution in the world, but if no one's paying attention, what does it matter to worry about that's that right. first, which takes care of the rest? I'm curious how you balance the social media side, right? Because, obviously, those are great distribution channels, especially for your type of content, and you have a lot of followers. Uh, I think we're almost somewhere around a million on Facebook alone. Um, but how do you balance that? Because as a publisher, when you're you know, generating attention on Facebook or Instagram and not necessarily directly driving traffic back to your site, you're, you're giving stuff out without getting something back, or are you? How right. are you looking yep. at those social channels? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And, you know, I think most publishers, by virtue of having an ad model only or being solely dependent or predominantly dependent on an ad model, have to be far more cunning about how they use different platforms on the web. Um, they are reliant on them for monetization as much as they are for audience development. And again, I give all the credit in the world to, to Dave for really setting up a brand that is brand and content first, but that also, what you know, while everyone else on the internet, every other brand that was started between 2004 and now 
really predominantly has focused on distribution first and content second, especially in the last, I would say, like five to six years. They've really only focused on content and brand. And so as a result, we have a ton of upside and a ton of runway in developing the kinds of relationships that people built their businesses on. We're not building our business on Facebook. I'm really interested in growing our audience on Facebook because I'm seeing Facebook take over the majority of attention and time spent from TV and other places. And so the way I look at it is Barstool is an engagement company and we are very experimental both in our content as well as in our partnerships, in our ad formats and the, you know, the creative and the type of content that we make. Um, and so I look at everything as an experiment. Facebook Live, what can we do in Facebook Live? How do we master this format? What can we do with this format? Which of our talent is best in this format? How do stoolies respond to it? Do they like it? Do they not like it? Do they like certain people better than others? Do they like certain subjects or topics better than others? And so what my job is is really to help Dave by giving him eyes into, hey, what's what's resonating and what's not. And then what we're both really committed to is to staying true to our fans, staying true to our brand and staying true to the content and then finding places for that. So for me, audience will come first and monetization will come second and that's okay. So Erica, I listened to President's podcast with Mike Kearns from Churn Digital. And one thing they talked about is through the growth of Barstool, one of the keys will be hiring the right people to allow the culture to continue. What sort of qualities do you guys look for out of people? We look for a lot of qualities. I think, um, I think Dave and I have a lot of the, of the same DNA. He is, you know, he's a phenomenon in his own right, just, and I give him all the credit in the world just for creating and conceiving a barstool. The type of qualities we look for in people are both on the business side, which I mostly look at, and Dave certainly on the content side is we look for people with a strong opinion and a strong view on the world and people who are hardworking. So the whole brick by brick anthem is really true. Like this is very hardworking company. It looks like a party. It's not a party. These guys work 24 seven. It's a, it's their life as much as it is work. Um, people who are risk takers, uh, people who buck the trend, who haven't done things the way everyone thought they should or told them to do. Um, we also look for people who um, who have a lot of knowledge and who are proven and have expertise at different things and who can bring that value to bear, who are part of the team, right? So we we have people who succeed as individual contributors and then we have people who make the whole group better. And we're, you know, we continue to look for that DNA and that's a common thread across Barstool. So what I love about Barstool is that you guys are the anti-traditional media company, a company that you can have a beer with literally. Uh, you've invested definitely uh, heavy in original video, live streaming, podcasting, and blogging. And a great example of a new channel was during the Super Bowl where the Barstool Rundown was live on Comedy Central, drawing great ratings for the coveted 18 to 35-year-old male demographic. So take us into your plans to conquer the world. What's the future of Barstool's <laughs> look like? Yeah, Barstool's definitely anti-establishment, and that actually is probably the best way to describe 
the best people at Barstool. They're all anti-establishment. Um, and, you know, I really said it. What our strategy is is to continue to grow the engagement we have with the audiences we have now to be able to create deeper relationships with stoolies, to be in more places where they spend time and to bring unique content there. So, you know, this year it's been an incredible run. We are, we're having success. We are seeing results. We're having fun. We're experimenting. We're doing things that we've never done before in our own way. And, you know, you started to see that, you know, last September, we really invested in Facebook Live and live video. You know, three months later, we were live on Sirius with our first time on the radio and we created Barstool Radio. A month after that, we were on television at the Super Bowl. Um, You know, the month after that, we did our first pay-per-view. So you're starting to see us do different types of content in different places and also to be on other people's air besides our own, whether that's Facebook, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, obviously, TV, radio. So you're starting to see us play in more places, and you'll continue to see that. I am curious if there is any channel or specific execution that you're looking at this year that sticks out to you more than the others. Um. I think Barstool has a ton of IP, and I spend a lot of time thinking about that and what are the right places and what's the right business arrangement for that IP. Um, We just did our first pay-per-view, as I mentioned. I found it fascinating, and I want to go way deeper on that. Um, I'm interested in television. I'm interested in podcasting, obviously, where we have – you know, huge strength. I would argue that we are the most formidable creators of of podcasts for men out there. So, I to me, the medium is less less the question because we know we can create diff- we can create audio content, we can create live content, we we do a great job of creating video content. Our heritage is obviously in text and blog. Um, we can do cartoons. No more is one of our most talented guys like Barstool shorts are some of the funniest pieces of content that come out of Barstool. So what, for me, what's most interesting is where do, where do Barstool fans want to find us? How do they, how do they want to engage with us on those mediums? And, and where do, where do we do the best job? Where, where are we most interesting and compelling? And what's cool about being a company our size, what's, what's cool about having, a really great partner like the Chernin Group is we're still really experimental in how we look at all those platforms. Erica, my last question here as we wrap it up is for the audience that creates content themselves, whether that's is solo entrepreneur, whether that's college student in sports marketing or sports business starting to get into this world, or you know, or even a team that's creating content for their team. What's the number one thing that they should look at to create content that actually engages and starts to build solid IP like you've, like Barstool has done? That's a great question. You know, I think one of the most special things about Barstool is that this is a company, you know, one of the things I love most is the history of Barstool and what Dave, I think Dave created something so phenomenal. I tweeted last night a picture from one of the newspapers where it was um, 
I think the title was like Merch from the Brain of El Prez. And it had a bunch of hats on it with bad graphics that said super cool. And the fact that that's, you know, 12 years old is, is something really unique for us. So um, what I would say to content creators is to, one, have a point of view and to be unafraid, unafraid in that point of view. The, the barstool lesson is to be yourself and, you know, and not to not care what other people think, to not follow what other people say to do, to not be the trend, to do your, to do your own thing. And that, that would be my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice would be consistency and just frequency. Um, doing something once is okay. Doing something repeatedly and getting better and better at it is really critical. I also think it, it, it takes, you know, some level of diligence and determination and just discipline to create a following, right? You've got to condition people to, to look for one thing at a particular time in a particular place. And then the job of the creator is to make someone want it. So that, those would be my pieces of advice. So Erica, we really appreciate you coming on the sports marketing huddle. I know certainly I'm going to continue to engage in your contacts that dig everything that you guys do. Have yourself an awesome day. Awesome. Thank you guys so much.